Our faith stands leaning on His Word. He's given us His Word, but our faith can't lean on it unless we read it and we learn it. Tonight, give me a few minutes to prepare us for the year 2015. Two weeks from tonight will be New Year's Eve. And then we will start a new year. And if you have not read as faithfully or as passionately as you could have this past year, let's look at 2015 as an opportunity for us to read the Bible. And tonight's study is about reading the Bible, not studying it, because that's a study of hermeneutics, and it's far beyond what I want to accomplish tonight. I want to address children tonight and adults that will read the Bible in 2015 and maximize our benefit. Here are a few suggestions. There's a man reading the Bible. Would to God that there's pictures like that of us every day of this coming year. There's no book like the Bible. God wrote the Bible, and it crushes all other books. Because God wrote the Bible. It is pure truth for every part of your life and all kinds of wisdom that we need. It's in the Bible. Every child of God, God has regenerated us, so we're His children. We need His words to grow. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. It's necessary for our growth. The spiritual new man that you have in you, is dependent upon the spiritual words of the Bible. You need them. There is a relationship between us and the Bible that is different from any other book. It's not just an intellectual comprehension of what is there. There is food and sustenance and nourishment for our spiritual new man. Truth and wisdom for your success are only found in the Bible and nowhere else like the Bible. So there's no book like the Bible. We ought to read it. You read other books. You read other websites. You read other material. But let's make sure we emphasize the reading of the Bible because there's great benefits in reading God's Word. The benefits are great. The benefits are many. And there's no question about that fact. The Bible itself says it has benefits. The testimonies of great men are that God's Word works. And experience has proven it to all those of us who have tried to feed ourselves on God's words. There's benefits. It makes average men great, and it makes great men greater if they will read God's word. And the same for women, and the same for children. You cannot survive, and you will not succeed without God's word. You need it every day. Lord, help us. This study is concerned with how to read God's word, not why. The why of God's words are all the benefits that are attached to reading Scripture. Tonight we just want to think about how can we approach God's Word to get the most out of it. Starting with your attitude. What is your attitude toward the Bible? You have a flesh part of you. A sinful part of you. It's called the flesh and it's God's enemy that does not like the Bible. Have you ever found that you go to sleep faster reading the Bible than any other book? I hate saying it out loud. I'm embarrassed and ashamed. But it's part of our nature because our flesh does not like the Word of God. And so we've got to overcome that by having a proper attitude toward the Bible. The Bible is God's personal, helpful love letter to you. 
And he copied me on it. I enjoyed sharing that with you on Sunday because I want you to look at the Bible that way. A personal, helpful love letter to you copied to the rest of us. That's your attitude. When you open the pages of this Bible, this is not some dry theological book that belongs in a monastery or a cemetery or a seminary. This is to you. It's personal. Embrace it and believe it that God is speaking to you above all others that have ever read it. He is an infinite spirit and He can communicate to you through the same words in a personal way. Amen. The Bible is a divine library. 66 books are in this library. And we go in there, we can pull off poetry. We can pull off songs. We can pull off psalms. We can pull off history. We can pull off theology. We can pull off prophecy. It's the Bible. And it's all kinds of different literary genres. I mean, there's every kind of writing. There's philosophical writing. There's argumentative writing. It's all in the Bible. And what is your attitude toward it? Lord, let me into your library this morning and show me some secrets, some mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. Though you need a habit to read the Bible, and you should have a habit that you read the same time, same place, every day, because that helps you get it done, never let that habit become a burden. Because it shouldn't be a burden to read the Word of God. God has exalted His Word above all His name. Now, does God think pretty highly of His name? Is there a commandment that says, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain? Well, he says he's put his word above his name. If he's exalted at that high, we better get excited when we read the Bible. That's our attitude. Humility. A large part of attitude is humility, and God loves humility. Remember how Solomon got God's great blessings in his life? What did Solomon tell the Lord? I am but a little child. I don't know how to go out or to come in. Will you make me a wise and understanding king? God loves that kind of speech. Let's go to the Word of God with that kind of humility. God hides truth. Yes, indeed, He does. God hides truth from the proud and gives it to babes. Remember the Lord Jesus Christ said as He preached and He saw that it was the common people that gravitated to Him and the religious leaders hated Him. He said, Father, heaven, Lord of heaven and earth, I thank Thee that thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent and revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, because it seemed good in thy sight. So if we want to learn God's word, then we have to come to the Bible like a babe. We can't profess that we are experts or we have a corner on truth or anything like that. Lord, I'm just a babe. Feed me from your word. Humility. Admit you are nothing. And your thoughts are vain when you come to God's Word. Beg Him for wisdom. Confess your ignorance and pledge your obedience. That's a humble attitude toward the Word of God. So we've covered two points. The attitude we have toward the Bible and the humility that we come to the Bible with. Otherwise, the Bible can become a closed book to us. Prayer. It is God's book. He can either teach or he can blind you in the same book. Do we sing a song, Break Thou the Bread of Life to Me, that says that God can reveal truth, or he can conceal truth? That's scary. 
I don't want him to conceal truth from us. I want him to reveal truth to us. And so since it's God's book, we want to ask him to reveal, not to conceal. Wise men, and I've just shown you how to be wise, beg God for him to open the word of God. I love this verse right here. When you open the pages of the Bible, pray this little short prayer. Open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. That's David's short little prayer about the Bible. Open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. You need the spirit of wisdom and revelation, which is what Paul prayed for the Ephesians. Because it's a spiritual book and you have a spiritual man, the Holy Spirit is able to take those words and make them come alive inside you and empower you and strengthen you by God's word. David would say, quicken thou me according to thy word. We're praying as we read the word of God. God has promised liberal wisdom if you just ask for it. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. James 1.5 You should pray before, during, and after your reading. That will help you read meditatively, prayerfully, carefully, soberly, reverently. Be begging the Lord when you start, when you finish, and in between. Lord, what do you want me to see? Thank you for this lesson. I want to live this lesson. Help me live it. We need to make it a habit. If you do not establish a habit, it will not happen. That's just a part of human nature. If you say, I'll read as soon as I get everything else done, (laughs) everything else doesn't get done because we always have more to do. So you've got to put the word, reading the word of God first and the other things after it. Over the last couple of years, you've had some young men stand before you on Sundays in presenting Psalms and remind you to put the word of God first before your computer and other distractions. Morning is likely better than any other time because you are more rested and you are not distracted by the things that arise during a day. So morning is just a, a simple, an obvious or simple time that you can usually read better than at other times. And to do it alone is usually better. Not in a place where there are others because that is distracting. You know, you may like some particular coffee shop or you may find a lunchroom at your place of employment. But those places have too many distractions. If you can find a closet, and the Lord Jesus Christ did use the word closet for coming to Him, He'll meet you there. And you won't have so many distractions. Your habit should be a lifelong habit for you and your family. Do not let the habit, because you're because it's a habit, I get up at the same time every day, I read God's Word, I have made a, a disciplined approach to my life about reading God's Word. Don't let that habit change the fact that reading the Bible is actually a meeting, right. not a habit. And the meeting is to meet God Amen. through His Word and prayer. Inputs. The Bible should be your most important input. We have so many inputs. We live in the information explosion. You know, our grandparents, they saw a mule or an ox or their cattle or their sheep or their crops during the day, but they seldom had all the interaction. We have news and information just exploding on us through the Internet, the television, radio, and all sorts of other devices nowadays. And we've got to be on guard against that. 
We want to make sure that the Word of God is our most important input to our thoughts. There's so many other inputs now. Television, radio, internet, and so forth. Lord, help us. Playing. If you play with these other inputs and allow them a lot of time in your life, it will defeat your Bible reading. You will pick up the Bible and the Bible will be boring. It will be closed to you. You will be in a carnal state of mind. You won't understand it. You won't appreciate it. This is the law of the Bible. It is a spiritual book and a carnal man doesn't get fed by it. Don't blame the Bible. Blame your other inputs. Because that's what's clouding the page to your mind. Do not confuse yourself, because that's what will happen. You'll get confused about the Bible if you have carnal inputs. This means if you have godly inputs by reading the Bible, and you have carnal inputs from the world, it's going to confuse you. Because those two are opposite to each other. God will know exactly what you think of His words if you are confusing yourself with carnal inputs. He'll know that you don't really care about what He wrote. The world hates God's words. Along with your flesh, your flesh hates the Bible. The world hates the Bible. So if you allow the world to come in through your ears, through your eyes, then your flesh will match up with it and overwhelm your understanding of God's Word. Your inputs. Cut out the other inputs. Increase the Word of God in your life. You need a program. The simplest is one that I've recommended now for 10 to 15 years. It's only one chapter a day. Because less is better if you approach it prayerfully, meditatively, and carefully. Less is better. One chapter a day can take you from Genesis chapter 1 all the way to the book of Revelation, avoiding the hard parts of the Bible that could waylay you like they've waylaid you in the past. So there's 365 chosen chapters that reading one a day will take you from Genesis to Revelation. And the emphasis is on the New Testament. Thank you. The emphasis is on the parts that you will understand. Thank you, Lord, for showing us a gentle approach. If, if that's too easy for you and you think, well, one chapter a day, that's easy. Well, then read one in the morning and one in the evening and you would cover the Bible twice in a year. Well, that still sounds easy. Then read two in the morning and two in the evening and go through the whole Bible every quarter. If you read three chapters a day and five on Sunday, you'll get through the whole Bible, all of its chapters in one year. Some of you like to include a psalm or a proverb. Some of you should. Some have had good experience with that. In addition to reading, say, a chapter in Genesis, you read a psalm or you read a proverb for the day. That gives you more than just one source of biblical input to your life. If you read the one-year Bible, and some really like the one-year Bible, or the daily light, you can lose context because sometimes the passages are so small and they're isolated and separated from what's around them. you got to be careful when you use that program. Now, Brother Jeff and Rhonda and Austin have this little green card here that has the one chapter a day program. That is so simple. But it will take you from Genesis to Revelation and you will get the vast majority of the New Testament. Right here, this little card 
you can put in your Bible and uses a bookmark. That's the way Brother Jeff uses it. And it's got the 365 chapters listed. Now, if you would like to keep track of what you've been reading, that's right here. So that you can check off the chapters as you read each of those one chapters per day. And this chart shows the three chapters during the week and the five chapters on Sunday, getting you through all 1,189 chapters in a year. Here's the checkoff box inside this bifold that we've had before for the 1,189 chapters. And here's a couple of others and guides to reading the Bible in a different way with some suggestions on how to read it. There's some programs. Jeff and my father will replenish these as they're used up, but we have two weeks to prepare ourselves to be committed in 2015 for reading the Word of God. Lord, help us. I don't want you left blind. There are some different ways to read it. You can read the one-year Bible that has an Old Testament portion, a Psalms portion, and a New Testament portion. You can read the one chapter a day. You can read the one chapter a day twice and get through the Bible twice in a year. Pick something and let's go for it. Intake. Exegesis. Now that's a, I'm sorry that you haven't heard that word too many times, but exegesis is studying the Bible and interpreting it and finding out what God intended by His words. That's finding or taking truth from the passage. That's what we want to take in. What God is giving us from His word. Eisegesis is the opposite, and that's putting your own ideas into the passage. And we don't want to do that. Let God speak to you rather than you spin His Word. Amen. Don't try to find a verse and then spin it to justify how you think. Uh-uh. We want how God thinks coming to us and that being our intake from His Word. Do not read our doctrine into a passage unless it is there. Right. This is an error I made when I was first converted back in the day of the, uh, the late 70s, when I had been shown the truth about predestination and that regeneration occurs before faith, I'd read the Bible looking for it in every verse. Because I was, I was excited about that point of truth. I was too excited. I was trying to find it everywhere. Poor Conrad Gerald and poor Ben Mott having to answer my questions if I hadn't found you know, regeneration before faith in washing some Old Testament item with a hyssop of water. I was good at it. I would find regeneration before faith anywhere I could. But you want to read the Bible and let God speak to us and let's not press and push our doctrine into God's Word. Let's let Him teach us. Seek God's wisdom. Not to discover yourself. You know that verse from Proverbs 18.2? That a fool doesn't want to learn wisdom. He wants to discover his heart. And that word discover there is meant he wants to expose and reveal his heart. That's not why we read. We want our heart corrected by God's words. Focus. Do you sometimes lose focus? You know, we're a lazy generation. We don't, we don't focus too well sometimes. Maybe we're a little ADD. So we need to focus and make it a real effort. And in the morning, with no distractions, you'll be the best off. How you read, how. 
how you read is more important than how much. So if you have to read less to focus better on those words, then read less. I've told you before, and I know it sounds like I'm a real compromiser. When I say if you read one verse, and you real prayerfully read it, and you meditatively read it, and you passionately read it, and you begged God for every word of it, and you prayed the verse back to God, and you loved the verse, and you quoted it to yourself throughout the day, one verse is sufficient. Rather than getting confused by reading a whole chapter. Because we want to stay focused and get something out of God's words. Not just go through the habit and not just check off a little calendar. Read prayerfully and alert and do it for comprehension. Focus. Don't let there be anything else to distract you. You're reading the most important book. When you were in school, you would get yourself, you'd go to the library. You want to be someplace where it's quiet. You get yourself away from distractions so that you can focus on those books. We especially want to focus on God's Word. Seek the meaning and the intent, not just the words or the sounds. We don't just want to get through the verse. We want to grab it and milk it for all that it's worth. We want to see the facets of each diamond of God's Word. Apply. Apply the lesson to you and how it affects your life. That's focus. How does this verse address me? What is it saying about my life? Consider the words and sentences as crucial truth because they are crucial truth for our lives. Obey. The Bible is God's word. Do not play with him. We've learned that by reading the Bible, haven't we? Those that play with him, he is going to mess them up. We do not play with the God of heaven. He wants obedience to what you learn. Remember, this passage right here is, let us be doers of the word and not hearers only. He does not want us just hearing it. Hearing it doesn't do anyone any good. It's being a hearer and a doer. So let's obey. Obedience is very important for God to open up the pages of Scripture to us as a church. If you disobey, if you disobey, He will close the Bible to you. John 7.17 says, If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine. And we want to know the doctrine of Scripture. So we need to do the will of God. So obeying what we learn. If you disobey, he will chasten you for your presumption to read his word and not keep it. Reading alone, if you just read the Bible and you don't obey it, that is damning. Just ask the Pharisees. The Pharisees knew the Bible better than any of us. The Pharisees knew the Bible better than anyone you've ever met. The Pharisees knew the Bible better even than Jack Van Empey, who can quote 10,000 verses of the 31,102 that are in the Bible. The Pharisees knew unbelievable facts and nuances about the words of their Old Testament. But look, they missed the Lord Jesus Christ. He had to preach to them and say, you can tell if it's going to be a good day tomorrow or not by the color of the sky, but you can't figure out that I'm the Son of God. And over and over he said to them, ye do err, you're making an error by not understanding the Scriptures. But they knew the Scriptures better than anyone will meet because they just knew it in its letter. They hadn't obeyed it. Helpful questions to ask when you're reading. Who? That's a question. Whom? 
Who is, who wrote it? Whom is to whom was it written? What is written? Why was it written? When was it written? And where was it written? Those six little questions are what's called context. Who, whom, what, when, where, why? Just ask those questions as you're reading something so that you get a context for it. Remember this. A two-step approach to little Bible contradictions or difficulties for you. First of all, you know the rest of the Bible well enough that you can look at a verse and say, I know what it doesn't mean. And that's the first thing you should answer. What it do- I know it doesn't mean that. I know it looks like it, and I know it sounds like it, but I know it doesn't mean that. When the Bible says, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, do you think that that verse is teaching you got to be saved? I mean, baptized in order to go to heaven? No, we know better than that. So that's what we mean right there. And then, then you can go and say, well, it must mean this then. And you have enough knowledge, and if you have a question that you want answered, you can write me, you can use our online Bible program, you can use a good conservative commentary, we'll help you get an answer. But a two, a simple two-step approach is when you see a verse, what does that verse mean? It looks like it's saying, you know the rest of the Bible, and you can say, it does not mean that. It cannot mean that. Then you go to what it must mean. You should ask, what doctrine is being taught here in this passage? See, these are helpful questions. Is Jesus Christ revealed in this passage? The Bible speaks of Jesus Christ from beginning to end, and we want to see Him everywhere we should see Him. What example has been given in this passage for me to follow? These are questions you should ask as you're reading. Not, how many more verses do I have to read in this chapter before I can quit and go get on Facebook? Your question should be, what example did I just see to help me? What sin has been identified for me to avoid? Questions to ask. Is there a prayer in the passage that I could pray to the Lord? Is there a prayer? Is there a promise I can claim? What comfort should I derive from the passage? What duty should I perform? These are the questions that you want to be asking as you read through it. And if these, if this is a, if this is a little confusing, then shorten up the passage that you're reading to something small. What should you take away from the Bible? Take away at least one key idea from each reading. When you, when you finish your reading, make sure you have at least one thing that is in your mental hand. You have a grip around it. And you're going to take it away and you're going to remember that during the day. At least one. If you share that one thing or talk about it with others, it'll stay with you longer. That's using God's Word. If you ask yourself later about it, it will stay longer. That one key item that you just got from God speaking to you in your meeting with Him in the morning. Thank God later in the day for giving you His Word. He'll bless that. He wants you to be thankful for His Word. Recall later the place and its position in the whole of the Bible. Think about that key idea, that thought, that warning, that prayer, that comfort, that doctrine that you got out of God's Word, that example, that promise. Think about it. Where does that fit into the whole scheme of the Bible? And pretty soon, if you do this day by day, 
the whole Bible, like a puzzle, will fall into place. Technology. Uh-oh. Our pastor, the caveman, what's he going to say now? Technology is cool, okay? That's your pastor speaking. Will you hear me out? Cell phones or iPads may not be conducive to good Bible reading. That depends on each of you. Some of you use your cell phones and iPads so much that it may be just like a book to you. Some of you may not be that used to them, and so it's less reverent, it's less sober, it's less religious, it's less godly that you're using this little device that you do this with your thumb and text everybody in the world. If if it is, it's fine. But what you want to do, and all I'm saying here is choose the means that leads you to meeting with God the best. Choose the means that is the most reverent, that is the most sober, that leads you to think about the words as being God's words instead of just flying off your cell phone like anybody else's text. Think about all those things before you choose the the tool that you're going to use. You know, I'm still old-fashioned. I don't even have a cell phone. So I want the Bible, even though I do use the computer quite a bit. Letting Scorby read while you drive may not cut it. Letting Scorby read to you while you drive is a good thing to do with that wasted time in a vehicle, but it may not be the best time for you to really have a meeting with the Lord because you're distracted, and we hope that you're distracted so that you don't kill anyone on the road while you're listening to Scorby read you the Bible. These devices can work at lunch breaks and in cars. They can work. Bible software, the internet, they allow you to get quick answers to questions like we've never had before. You can punch in anything in a Google search box, and you're going to get a lot of junk for answers, but you can also get answers. Just use technology wisely by putting the Lord first. Lord, how can I best honor you? Some of you, it's still going to be a book. Some of you, you're going to be able to do it with a cell phone, iPad, or some other device. Meditation. Meditative reading is key in the Bible. It is mentioned over and over to meditate on the things of God. Another word that is used is muse. M-U-S-E. You know, Americans believe in amusement, which means no thinking. Muse means to think. It means to meditate. Meditative reading. It means to read deeply, slowly, focused, considering all angles of a passage. What is God saying? How does he mean it? How can I apply it in the 21st century? What does it mean to me? Meditative, Lord, you are showing your sovereign power in this verse. You are showing your mercy in this verse. You're you're meditating and pulling everything from that verse that you can by mulling it over in your mind deeply and slowly and carefully to extract from it every aspect and angle that you can. It is this process that feeds your spirit by God's Holy Spirit. Just racing through does not feed like this. That is why the emphasis in Joshua 1, Psalm 1, and other places is to meditate on the Word of God. Pray the passage. You ever do that? You see what God's Word is. You see how God thinks. You can pray that back to Him, even if it's not a prayer. 
You can pray that truth back to Him. Lord, I thank You for this truth. I love this doctrine. These words right here are glorious and precious. That makes it very meditative because you're thinking of of expressing it back to the Lord in your prayer. If you have to read less to do these kind of things, that is fine. Don't put a burden on yourself so that you can't meditate in God's Word. Memorization. It hides God's words in your heart in a unique way when you memorize a verse. You can think about God's words. You can think about them, God's words, when you're far away from a Bible. It puts the words of truth in your mouth so that you can have answers for people asking you questions. It teaches the importance of every individual word because you've got to go over every individual word in order to memorize it. It is great material for daydreaming or sleeping. You know, what do you do when you drive? Daydream? You could be quoting a passage of Scripture back and forth to yourself. What do you do to go to sleep at night? Count sheep? Is that the old suggestion? Count sheep? But you can be saying verses back and forth to yourselves. It's a wonderful way to go to sleep in the middle of a passage where you drift off to sleep and you wake up four hours later and say to yourself, now where was I? That's a whole lot better than 10 or 20 other things I could list, isn't it? And it's from memorization. You young quizzers in this church, and we commend you again for your outstanding job this past Saturday when you did so well. You're filling yourself with those words, and when you're lying in bed and you're not going to sleep quickly, quote those passages to yourself. If you've learned a chapter, then quote it to the Lord backward. I don't mean the words backward. I mean the verses backward. If there's 30 verses in the chapter... Just start with verse 30 and work backward. It'll make you think a little bit, and you'll learn it even better. Exhorting. Brethren, let's encourage each other by texting. I know that some of you already do this. When you get up in the morning, Zach, and you've got something good from God's Word, share it. And I know you do. And others that that use that texting, text a verse. This was a great verse to me this morning. That will encourage and exhort the rest of the church. And some of you already do this. Share your reading, pleasure, profit to provoke others to get into God's Word. Ask others if they have found anything good lately in the Word of God. Refer to a Bible verse in every conversation if you can. Bring up the Word of God and give it application in our lives. And apply the Bible verse to every issue you discuss with your brethren. The Bible says that we grow from using milk in the Word of God to meet by exercising our senses to discern good and evil. And we learn that by exercising it, applying God's Word to the different circumstances we meet with every day. Time. It's often said, and I've heard it said, that you just don't have time to read the Bible. Please now, don't say that. I just don't have time. Then you're too busy and you need to adjust your life. There is always time for whatever you want to do. You always make time for everything you want to do. You always make time for everything you want to do. There's time. There's 168 hours in a week and 1,440 minutes in a day. That's a lot of minutes. Does the Lord deserve 1%? 1% of 1,440 minutes is 14 minutes and 40 seconds. 
Do you feel like you're being too generous with the Lord to give Him 1% of your day? What would 2% be? What would 3% be? You have time. We have time. We've got the Word of God. He has inspired it. King James and those translators got us a Bible. God's preserved it for 400 years, and we have time. Right. Technical study Bibles are confusing. I don't recommend them because they mix God's words and man's words on the same page. I'd rather have you going to a computer and looking it up, going to a Bible handbook, commentary, Bible dictionary, or other help, rather than having it right there on the page because it gets confusing having God's words right beside man's words. Get answers from good commentaries of the pastor. It's a spiritual book. So prayer is more helpful than tools. Just remember that. Just boil it down to its simplicity. I want God's words, and I'm going to pray over them, and I'm going to trust God to feed my soul. That's more important than having sophisticated tools. Hermeneutics is a different study than what we're looking at tonight. Remember, the spiritual qualifications are more important than the rules of Bible study. You want to have your heart right, fearing the Lord, delighting in Him, and meeting the spiritual qualifications that we've looked at before when you read God's Word. Our conclusion, your life is racing away. Bible reading slows it down because it makes every day valuable and important and brings you in touch with the God that created you. It slows your life down. If you're not reading the Bible, then you're on the treadmill of life, spinning it faster and faster, and you're not getting closer to God. It slows your life down to go aside for a little while and meet with the Lord. We do not want to get to the end of our lives and meet the Lord and have Him give us the number of minutes per day that we spent in His Word unless we made a good effort to meet Him by His Word. These two psalms can encourage you in the Word of God. Psalm 19 and Psalm 119. Few men have had Bible privileges like you have. You understand so much of it. You have it so easily available in your language We don't have excuses to not read it in 2015. Let all the children in this church see how their parents follow the big black book in everything they do. Make 2015 your best year ever feeding on His words. May the Lord bless our time tonight. You have two weeks to be thinking about it, two weeks to start practicing. Two weeks from tomorrow will be January 1st of 2015. We want to be ready for it and hit the ground running and show the Lord that we love Him and His Word. He can bless our church. He can bless your family. He can bless your soul in ways that He hasn't yet if we delight in His Word. Stand with me, please.